trying to disguise yourself as a worker bee. That's you trying to blend in with hive. But you're not a worker bee. You're a renegade killer bee. Killer bee. Killer bee. Viceberg Slim. I will chop your heads off! Welcome to In Broad Daylight, a solo podcast with your host, Adam Todd Brown. Hey everybody, welcome to In Broad Daylight. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. But you know that, unless you're listening to this podcast for the first time, which maybe, in which case, welcome. Thanks for listening. I fucking love you. On this week's episode, we're talking about something that is near and dear to my heart. And that, of course, is vaping. Cigarettes for people who don't want to be cool is what those are. Kinda. Also cigarettes for people who don't want to die. We'll get into it. It's a thing that I myself have made fun of and spoken critically of in the past. I even did a video at Cracked about it, which it's fine. You don't need to watch it. But vaping is also a thing I do in all of its forms. Nicotine, weed, DMT. I mean, I'm just joking about that last one. But I have also heard that it's possible and color me intrigued, but I'm talking about vaping this week because provided you have an internet connection and a functioning set of senses, there's a good chance you've heard a lot of scary stuff about vaping in the news these last few weeks. And surprise, a lot of it is nonsense. It is sloppy journalism at best. And good reason to believe the media is collaborating with tobacco companies in a full-on propaganda campaign, at worst, whatever the case, I am of the opinion that the way we talk about vaping is going to get people killed eventually. And uh, granted, me talking about it today won't make a huge difference, but it might save some of you a trip to the hospital. And at the end of the day... Is there anything more important than you, the people who consume my content? I would argue there is not. So let's get right to it. There have been a lot of high-profile articles about vaping recently that carry some pretty terrifying headlines. Here are just a few that have been published in the Washington Post in recent months. First one, mystery lung illness linked to vaping. Health officials investigating nearly 100 possible cases. Second one, Maryland, Virginia, among 22 states reporting incidents of vaping-related illness. And this last one, extra scary, Illinois patients' death may be first in U.S. tied to vaping. That's all pretty unsettling. And with this being the social media age and all, people see these headlines coming from a reputable source and assume they know everything they need to know about vaping. No need to read the article. The Washington Post said vaping is making people sick. What else do we need to hear? At this point, we are one John Oliver segment away from sending the National Guard into local high schools to confiscate jewel pods by force. But the problem is you do need to read those articles regardless of the source. Headlines very rarely 
provide enough information to truly understand a story. They certainly don't provide enough information to form an opinion that you then state very publicly, but that's exactly what damn near everyone is doing right now when it comes to vaping. And the thing all of these articles about the dangers of vaping have in common is that they leave out a lot of important details. For example, take the April 2019 Washington Post article clearing the air about e-cigarettes, vaping, nicotine, and health, which weirdly is written by Consumer Reports, like the publication, I guess, the entire thing, all hands on deck at Consumer Reports to tackle the vaping crisis on this day. And speaking of that, the article kicks off with all the usual statistics and warnings about how much teens are vaping these days, which is quite a lot, but in their defense, it's kind of nice. But then almost immediately, the tone of the article changes with this line. The number one concern is the addiction power of the nicotine. And that is a quote from Anna Navas Asian, professor of environmental health sciences at Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health. And here's the thing. No one is arguing that teens should be using nicotine. Of course not. Save that for when you're home from war and your lungs are fully developed. Also, that's a completely different discussion. But nevertheless, even in articles that are seemingly just making the argument that teens shouldn't use nicotine, you'll see a bunch of go-to statements about the dangers of vaping that in most cases, aren't nearly as damning as the wording implies. Here's a really famous one. Each jewel pod contains the same amount of nicotine as an entire pack of cigarettes. I mean, that sounds sketchy because jewel pods are very small uh, and cigarette packs are bigger. But of course, a jewel pod contains the same amount of nicotine as a pack of cigarettes because a jewel pod is meant to replace a pack of cigarettes. And even more importantly, it takes at least as much time to get through a jewel pod as it does a pack of cigarettes. Like, do you even realize that rock legend John Mellencamp smoked four packs of cigarettes a day at one point? Now, I work a whole lot, but also I mostly work at home and for myself with no oversight. If I was willing to smoke indoors and put in the proper work and training, I could knock out four packs of cigarettes a day very easily. You just have to do the math. It takes around five minutes to smoke a cigarette, provided you're not smoking American Spirits, which I affectionately refer to as the companion cigarette because they take forever to smoke. Assuming you sleep eight hours every night, which you absolutely do not if you are a smoker, that gives a dedicated chain smoker enough time to smoke around nine packs a day, at least in theory. Just to keep it conservative, let's say six packs a day. Meanwhile, there is a Reddit thread out there that I'll link to on unpops.com, and it's from the r slash jewel subreddit. And it's just a thread about people asking how long it takes to get through a jewel pod. And if you look at this thread, you'll see the answers range from a, a day or two, sometimes up to a week to get through one jewel pod. Uh, that's for a casual user. 
On the high end of things, you see people reporting that they can get through two to three pods in a day. And good news, I can speak from personal experience here. I started vaping, I kid you not, in an attempt to quit chewing nicotine gum. And it worked, which is saying a lot, because I used nicotine gum often while also still smoking, off and on for like 20 years. And again, given the nature of my job, I can vape pretty damn relentlessly. When I was using a Juul, I'd maybe get through a pod a day. And even then, only if I paused to smoke weed a lot less often than usual. So the fact that a Juul pod contains as much nicotine as a pack of cigarettes is an almost meaningless piece of information. Cigarettes are laden with chemicals meant to make them burn faster. Because the faster they burn, the more you can smoke. That's exactly why American spirits take so much longer to smoke. They don't have those chemicals in them that make them burn faster. So if a person really wanted to, they could easily get through five or six packs of cigarettes in a day. But getting through five or six jewel pods in a day would be way more of a challenge. So again, the fact that a jewel pod contains the same amount of nicotine as a pack of cigarettes, despite the media leaning on that as a reason for you to be scared of this product, it means nothing. They should contain the exact same amount as a pack of cigarettes because they're meant to replace a pack of cigarettes. Nicotine replacement therapy. Google it, everybody. And while we're on the subject of additives, in that same Washington Post article, you see another reference that pops up all the time in the great vape debate. Here's a quote. For example, a study published last year in the journal Pediatrics found that e-cig devices contain some of the same cancer-causing ingredients found in traditional cigarettes. Now, I'll be the first to admit, that sounds pretty damning. What you don't see in this article, though, is a link to that study. It's almost as if they're implying that you need to have access to a paper copy of the journal Pediatrics to read it. But no, it's right online, like so many other things in life. Uh, Again, I'll link to it on unpops.com. If you were in the room right now, you would have seen a URL materialize in the room. And sure enough, it does say that some potentially carcinogenic chemicals have been found in e-cigarettes. But it also says a few other really important things that don't get brought up quite as often when this study is referenced. Here's one of them. It is worth noting that although e-cigarette only users had significantly higher exposure to five VOCs, that's volatile organic compounds, controls also had detectable levels of these chemicals. In fact, human exposure to VOCs from environmental sources is ubiquitous. It is also worth noting that levels of VOCs detected in e-cigarette only users were on average lower than has been reported among adults. So in case it isn't clear, what they're acknowledging is that the chemicals in question are found everywhere and you will be exposed to them no matter what. We're talking about the same chemicals that force large buildings in California to carry a warning about potential exposure to carcinogens. Those are the kind of chemicals they're referring to in that study. To imply that that means a jewel pod contains the same chemicals as a cigarette 
is just bad and dangerous. Cigarettes have carbon monoxide in them. Cigarette manufacturers use ammonia to make cigarettes more addictive. There have been rumors that cigarettes have contained strychnine at various points throughout history. According to the FDA website, cigarettes contain more than 70 chemicals that have been linked to cancer. Jewel pods and their equally demonized counterparts don't even sort of come close to presenting the same danger as smoking cigarettes, be it from hazardous chemicals or nicotine intake. Unfortunately, that doesn't stop anyone from leaning on that one study to push the idea that the dangers are exactly the same. And something else that rarely comes up when this study is mentioned is this part from the financial disclosures section. Dr. Benowitz is a consultant to several pharmaceutical companies that market medications to aid smoking cessation. Another line from the financial disclosures section. Doctors Ramos and Rubenstein have consulted for Carrot Incorporated, which makes a tobacco cessation device. Now, in my opinion, and in the opinion of a whole lot of others, vaping is absolutely the most effective means of quitting tobacco by a wide margin. Because smoking cigarettes isn't just a nicotine addiction. There's usually an oral fixation involved, and there's also some aspect of it that involves just wanting to have something to do with your hands. And when it comes to the medically recognized means of quitting smoking, nicotine patches don't do anything for the oral fixation or the part where you want something to do with your hands. Nicotine gum handles the oral fixation, but still nothing to do with your hands. Vaping covers all of those bases. It deals with the oral fixation. You still get your nicotine and it gives you something to do with your hands. And because it's available in strengths ranging from and because it's available in strengths ranging from entirely too much to none at all, you can use it to gradually wean yourself off of nicotine. So let there be no doubt, the people behind this study have a deep financial interest in discrediting vaping as a safer alternative to cigarettes. The tobacco industry does as well, obviously, but they can always just partner up with vape companies if it comes down to it. If big tobacco has to become big vape juice in order to keep selling you nicotine, that's exactly what they're going to do. The tobacco cessation industry on the other hand, has absolutely no choice but to fund studies claiming a jewel pod is just as dangerous as a cigarette if they hope to survive. And another often overlooked hitch in the we need to crack down on vaping to protect kids from nicotine argument is that vaping doesn't just mean one thing. Let me run a hypothetical scenario by you. Say a coworker came to you one day and told you that a family member started smoking a year ago, and now that family member just lost their house because of it. You would be flabbergasted because who the fuck loses their house over a nicotine habit? You might even build up the courage to ask that question, at which point that coworker would clarify, oh, no, 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 they weren't smoking cigarettes, they were smoking crack. We associate the general term smoking with tobacco cigarettes. Anything beyond that requires more information. 
You can't just say smoking when you actually mean freebasing cocaine or something along those lines. But the people in charge of scaring you into smoking real cigarettes, like the greatest generation did, they rely on this lack of distinction to get their message across. As does that same famous study about chemicals in e-cigarettes. At one point in that study, they make it clear that they didn't bother differentiating what the test subjects meant by vaping. Maybe they were using a jewel that they purchased at a reputable outlet, or maybe their friend built them a vape from car parts and they use it with liquid that that same friend makes in a shed somewhere. Who knows? Does it even matter? Honestly. And yeah, it matters a whole damn lot, especially if we're talking about all those more recent, even scarier headlines about teens coming down with mysterious lung ailments as a result of vaping. Without fail, every single one of those articles is plastered with pictures of jewel pods and warnings about how the war on lychee blast vape juice must move forward. And in every single case, the product they're actually talking about is something else entirely. You can see that at work in the Washington Post article I mentioned earlier. The one with the spine-chilling headline, Mystery Lung Illness Linked to Vaping. Health Officials Investigating Nearly 100 Possible Cases. Now, right under that headline is a picture of a young girl using a jewel. And the next two image-related spots are a kid in a hospital bed hooked up to a ventilator and a bunch of knockoff jewel pods. And it includes all the usual stats and facts about the dangers of vaping. And then it tells the tale of a young man named Dylan Nelson. Now, according to the Washington Post version of events, Dylan, and this is a quote, has been vaping for about a year and, another quote, was hospitalized with pneumonia last month after he started having trouble breathing. It mentions that a nurse told his mom that his illness could be related to vaping. And then it gives us this quote from her. You need to sit your kids down and tell them the dangers of this stuff. If you're an adult, wise up. This is not good. Look into it before you decide to pick this stuff up and start using this. Now, imagine you're a parent. Maybe you already are a parent. Now, imagine you find a jewel pod in your kid's backpack fresh off of reading this article. You would have every damn reason to panic. Now, let's look at one more quote from that Washington Post article. Patients ranged in age from 18 to 49 and many reported the use of cannabis-containing products, the advisory said. So, wait, wait, wait. Aren't we worried about teens vaping? Because the age group reference there, despite surely containing a few teens, is what society has historically referred to as adults. 18 to 49 is very definitively not in the teen demographic. Also, cannabis? There's no cannabis in a jewel pod. What the fuck is going on here? Well, that's where the distinctions I mentioned earlier about the different types of vaping become important. Vaping nicotine and vaping THC are absolutely not the same thing. And not just that, but irony alert, THC is far and away the least safe of the two. Yes, I know a marijuana cigarette and a tobacco cigarette, it's the exact opposite. That tobacco cigarette is obviously going to be more dangerous. 
Not always the case with vaping. It's usually the THC cartridges that present the most problems. And just to give you an idea how different they are, the mystery illness that guy in Wisconsin came down with does actually have a name. It's lipoid pneumonia, and it cannot be caused by alcohol-based nicotine liquids that you find in the Juul and similar other products. Let me repeat that. It cannot be caused by alcohol-based nicotine liquids that you find in the Juul and similar products. Despite these articles just being plastered with pictures of teens smoking Juul devices, the illness mentioned in the headline can't be caused by that device. Lipoid pneumonia can, however, be caused by the chemicals used in the process that turns marijuana into a clear liquid that you can smoke in vape cartridges. That process, if you're not familiar, go read up on it a little bit. It involves a lot of solvents and chemicals that you definitely do not want in your lungs. And even then, it's no reason to swear off THC oil cartridges. You just absolutely cannot, under any circumstances, just buy them from a guy. It is a heavily regulated product that undergoes intense lab testing before it can be sold legally. And that is 100% because it needs to be as contaminant-free as possible before it's safe to use. And as it turns out, despite only getting a sentence or two of attention from the writer of this cautionary tale about youth gone awry in Wisconsin... THC is the entire story here. If you go read that Washington Post article, compare it to this local news segment about the exact same incident. Let's give it a listen. Exclusive, a victim of vaping, a Burlington man is hospitalized after he became sick from vaping. Fox 6 is Ashley Sears live in the newsroom with the warning health officials just put out today. Ben Children's Hospital saw eight patients in just four weeks with respiratory illnesses they say were caused by vaping. One Burlington family says their loved one nearly lost his life because of the same thing. These street vapes are very, very dangerous. My brother nearly lost his life. The last few days have been touch and go for one Burlington man. The trauma that he's caused to his lungs is significant, and the trauma that he caused to his heart is significant. Patrick DeGrave's brother went to Aurora Memorial Hospital in Burlington after he was having issues breathing. At first, doctors thought it might be pneumonia, but soon realized it was something else. These vapes can cost you your life. DeGrave says it was this vape cartridge that contained THC that took his brother from a healthy 20-something to this. Within 24 hours, he was being medically sedated and put into a medically induced coma. DeGrave says his brother bought the vape vials off the street. His warning comes on the same day as doctors at Children's Hospital in Wauwatosa issue a similar alert. So I'll, I'll link to the whole, there's only like another minute of it, but I'll link to the entire report on the website. And the reason I say to compare the Washington Post article about this story to that local news segment about this story. In that local news segment, they show us exactly what product this guy bought that led to him being hospitalized. 
They show us the product. They tell us it's a THC cartridge, and they show the packaging with the brand name, which I would argue is exactly what you would want to do when covering a story about a product that is hospitalizing people. It seems like letting them know what the specific product in question is would be the move. But for some reason, when this story made its way to all of the mainstream media outlets, it became this vague warning about the dangers of vaping in all its forms. Again, I can't stress enough, we know what is causing these long ailments, and it isn't jewel pods. It's something called dank vapes, which I know, that's funny, but also it's pretty fucking terrifying. Dank Vapes is a brand name, which I'm putting in air quotes, that countless numbers of counterfeit THC cartridges are sold under. Except Dank Vapes isn't a weed company. They're a packaging company. And they make legitimate looking packaging and cartridges for bootleggers to fill with THC oil, and then they sell them on the street or on the internet. These cartridges go through none of the testing that the stuff you buy in reputable stores do, meaning they're almost guaranteed to be laden with solvents and all sorts of other unfortunate stuff you don't want to inhale. And their appeal is that they're crazy cheap. One site I found offers one gram cartridges for $15, which for non-weed smokers out there, a decent quality one gram THC cartridge usually sells for around $50 to $60. You can get them for less at legitimate weed shops, but even then, you're kind of rolling the dice on what nastiness got left behind in the extraction process. If you're just buying them off the street from some dude, you might as well just take up huffing spray paint or something. But buying them off the street is exactly what people are doing, and it's making them sick. Another detail you don't hear much about these mystery lung ailments is that of the 22 states where they've been reported, only one allows recreational marijuana use. And that state is California, where the higher prices brought on by legalization have kept black markets for weed alive and well. I even sometimes buy black market weed, but just weed, not black market THC cartridges that's insane. But even then, I, I don't remember if I left it in or not, but there's an outtakes episode. One of the last couple outtakes episodes for Patreon subscribers. Uh, see if you can track it down. But I have a conversation with uh, comedian Chris Crittenden about how he has a friend who makes his own THC cartridges. And it's not uncommon in California for pop-up vape shops to materialize for a few days and they'll sell a bunch of dirty THC cartridges and then they disappear before the profiteers can ever be caught. And there's a good chance that's where a lot of these cartridges are being purchased initially before making their way to states where weed is harder to come by. So why isn't the story being reported that way? In some cases it is. One example, there's a really great article at inverse.com by Emma Batool. Sorry if I butchered your name, B-E-T-U-E-L. And it's all about the Dank Vapes brand. 
and she goes into a lot of detail and puts in a lot of effort to try and figure out who or what this company is. And as far as anyone can tell, it's barely a real company, if it's a company at all. And uh, it's very interesting. Their dank vapes products are flooding the market right now, and they're making people sick. But again, when you read about it, it's all about jewel pods. There's also a recent USA Today article that questioned why the FDA or the CDC isn't saying more about our country's very obvious problem with contaminants in black market THC cartridges. But the higher up the journalistic food chain these stories get, details about the specific products that are most likely causing these issues end up getting replaced with these vague references to vaping in general and reminders that teens are vaping at an alarming rate. And you see the same weird vagueness in the reporting around vape explosions. There have been a few high-profile instances of that over the past couple of years, and more often than not, the headline in those cases will read something like, e-cigarette blows man's jaw off, or something equally horrifying. But the thing is, just like the word vaping, the media uses the word e-cigarette to cover a lot of ground that a single phrase shouldn't necessarily be covering. Case in point, the device that is blowing people's jaws off is not an e-cigarette. If you look at the thing, it looks like a robot's shoulder blade. It is gigantic. It is not a tiny, compact e-cigarette, like you're probably picturing when you hear that phrase. And it's a device called a mechanical mod. And every damn one of those things is a disaster waiting to happen. For one thing, they have no mechanism built in to monitor and control the battery temperature. Your first warning that it might explode is when it gets super hot. And if you keep using it after that, it's probably going to fucking blow up in your face. And it's not that it will blow up in your face. It's that the two gigantic lithium-ion batteries required to charge these things will be forcefully propelled out of the unit and into your skull, thus fucking killing you. And again, we know the exact product that is causing this issue. It is mechanical mod vaporizers, which have fallen out of favor with a lot of people, specifically because of the safety concerns. But compare how they're reported in the Washington Post versus TheVerge.com. In articles that come out on the exact same day, the Washington Post has details about how the victim thrashed around in his car when he died and all the visible blood that was in the car and even some stuff about his childhood. But somehow they couldn't nail down exactly what type of device he was using. Meanwhile, The Verge not only identified the exact device, but also ended with some genuinely useful information about how little regulation there is around vaporizer batteries. You know what the Washington Post article ended with? A video about teens using jewel pods. Again, a completely different product that poses none of the threats that this article is about. The batteries used in those mechanical mod vapes are by themselves about the size of a jewel. 
when the jewel was created they went and worked with battery manufacturers to come up with a device that would not explode in your face anyone who uses almost any vape knows that if you pull on it long enough or hold that button in long enough eventually it's just going to stop because if you overheat it it will fucking explode so just like guns don't actually fire when you drop them even though movies make it out to seem that way uh that doesn't happen because gun manufacturers a long time ago were required to start putting uh features in place that prevent that kind of thing e-cigarette manufacturers do the same thing the vaporizers that are exploding in people's faces are not the jewel vaporizers that people are buying at gas stations completely different product and listen far be it for me to push conspiracy theories or anything of the like but something's wrong here if a new lighter hit the market and kids were using that specific lighter to burn down their houses you wouldn't write an article just generally blaming fire and then include a bunch of pictures of matches in that article no you'd write an article about the specific thing that kids are using to burn down houses we know fire is dangerous what type of fire are we talking about like that is not how warning the public is supposed to work and sure the tobacco industry has lost some of its standing in the world but they're still powerful enough to kill 400,000 Americans every year and get away with it. It's not outside the realm of possibility that they might still wield some influence as it pertains to how stories that involve their interests are covered. We know they're way more influential on social media than anyone realized. A 2018 investigation revealed that tobacco companies were using social media influences based outside of the united states to promote their products online without ever revealing their financial ties the posts these relationships generated were seen more than eight billion times in the united states and 25 billion times globally so do tobacco companies have some hand in the recent influx of stories desperately trying to tie jewel pods to explosions and lung disorders could be or maybe it's just that these outlets know that a sad story about someone dying will get a lot more clicks and shares if readers believe that death was caused by a product they or someone they know uses regularly who knows whatever the case it's irresponsible and could very easily get people killed dank vapes should be national news right now people should know the name and they should fear it instead the problems black market street vapes are causing are being used to imply that jewel and products like it are just as bad as cigarettes when the available evidence points to that not even sort of being the case and it should go without saying that this is a campaign that could backfire horribly there are already entire cities san francisco for example that have not only banned jewel sales within the city limits but they've also banned shipments of jewel products to addresses within the city limits and so what now that means teens won't seek out nicotine anymore of course not they'll just seek it out through different means 
just like varying percentages of teens have done for all of history. Banning the jewel just means more young people will fall in to the welcoming arms of traditional cigarettes and those vaporizers that sometimes explode in your face. How is that better? Not specifying what devices and products are causing these issues means the public in general will be less afraid of trying those devices and products should the opportunity ever present itself. And that is a surefire path to getting a lot of people killed. So next time you see a scary headline about vaping, either read the entire article and make some more informed decisions than you would just by reading the headline, or I don't know, message me and I'll tell you if you should really be afraid. It's not that hard to figure out. Read the sources. Anyway, the good news here is twofold. One, you're probably still fine to keep using your jewel and other assorted nicotine-based vape liquids. Granted, we don't we haven't been using them long enough to know if they'll lead to chronic illnesses in the future like cigarettes do, but we have been using them long enough to know that the illnesses in question here that are making headlines aren't caused by that product. So rest easy. If you've been using a jewel and it helped you quit smoking, for the love of God, do not let these headlines trick you into thinking that vaping nicotine is as bad as smoking tobacco. That's all. We just need to be reporting on this story better. That's all I'm saying, baby. And when I said the good news is twofold, the other part of that, this episode's over. This was a slog. At least recording it was. I'm sure when I hit that truncate silence button, this whole thing will be like 14 minutes long. But I feel like I've been sitting here a while. And uh, that's our episode. What do I have to plug? I don't know. Give this podcast good ratings and reviews on iTunes. I would appreciate that. You can follow me on Twitter for now, but come on, man. Social media, who needs it? And, uh... I think that's it. Keep your eyes peeled. I'll be announcing some tour dates for next year. We're going to try and get to the Pacific Northwest. We're going to get to the Midwest again, but this time with Caitlin Cutt and Carrie Martin. Uh, We're going to try and do the East Coast. We're going to be all over the fucking place. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And in the meantime, keep vaping. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. <laughs>